0: Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she-her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she-her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us. We'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline, like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Now, on to the episode.
0: Season 4, Episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are.
1: This is an episode that exists.
0: (laughs) It's not good.
1: It's not good.
0: But it's funny.
1: Yes, it's funny. I'm actually really glad that we finally got into this episode um, in in terms of like I've thought about it. I knew it was coming and I knew I wouldn't like it. But I, of course, as always, I'm excited to talk about it with you (laughs) because I think you and I together can find reasons to enjoy talking about this episode i agree what i will say off the bat because i don't like this episode i think it's the worst in the season so far i know that a lot of people have come for beer bad and i defended beer bad actually when we watched it uh beer bad's better than this episode so
0: you know what i think i'm going to agree with you and i know i was very harsh on beer bad back when we talked about it and i said it was one of the worst episodes of the series but i think you're (laughs) right Steph. I Maybe I just forgot about this episode when I was talking about Beer Bad, but I agree. This might be the worst episode of the whole season.
1: Yeah, but what I will say for, maybe not this episode, but for the series, for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, is that it's still enjoyable and fun, like we said earlier, to watch these characters exist amongst a terrible plot, right? Like, I still... We got a lot that's of good really character good moments. There's actually one moment in this episode that transcends. <laughs> so.
0: Oh, I'm curious to see if I could guess what that is.
1: It's it's a rough easy. No, it's so, so not. <laughs> I felt dirty saying that. Um, well, I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. So I don't know. There's things to pick out in this episode that I think it's like, wow, that was, that was good. Um, and it has to do with character, not the actual storyline that's going on here. That's a positive. Another positive, uh no Adam in this episode. Good point, yeah. So we can peel. Po- we can we can find good things. So it's, it's yeah. We we, we can already do it. have,
0: right? Like, <laughs> Yay.
1: <laughs> we can end it right here. Simultaneously
0: <laughs> the worst but also maybe best episode of season 4.
1: Whoa! Well, let's let's wait till <laughs> the end to really just lay out our real thoughts, you know. So, let's get started. Let's start so we can finish. <laughs> uh we start in the cemetery and you know as is tradition as is tradition um and in the last episode superstar we were applauding starting in the cemetery we we're like vampires well, we've returned to
0: form right and I, I something that i noticed about this episode is there are a lot of like i don't know if you'd call them callbacks but like there's a lot about this episode because like you said it is stronger in the character than the story area where we're seeing like yeah, like this. This is a Buffy episode. This is unmistakably a Buffy episode, but it's the only. It's a Buffy episode that only a Buffy fan could love.
1: <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Um, and like, hey, there's Buffy. It's a Buffy episode. Buffy's fighting vampires in the cemetery. Uh, it's she's not joined by the Scoobies this time. She's joined by Riley, who is strangely holding his own. Against a vampire. Uh, Buffy has a crossbow, which is just awful. Never works. Like, seriously,
0: Buffy. No. You've been doing this for how many years now? When are you going to give up your crossbow fetish?
1: She doesn't even use it in this fight. She holds it up, and then she opts to, like, watch Riley fight because it turns her on instead of using it. So, anyway, a demon runs out, and... Is helping the vampire, and Buffy says to Riley, Okay, you get Fang, I'll get Horny. Wait. Like, you know, like, I mean, and oh no, it's setting us up for the episode ahead. Uh, Buffy stabs the demon, and Riley dusts the vampire and Riley is that your 18th vampire that you've dusted <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're on the same page I had the exact same thought staff I was like wow like now that Riley's partnering with Buffy on these things his kill count must be skyrocketing
1: <laughs> we are so in sync on our mutual need to make fun of Riley, that our jokes are the st- same. <laughs> We're writing the same punchlines down. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good for them. Great tag team. Uh, Buffy is confused because vampires and demons, she say, don't usually get along. It never happens. Vamps hate demons. Uh, it's like stripes and polka dots. Major clashing. I don't know if this is true, Buffy. I think Giles is going to say something very similar later. But is this true? That vampires and demons don't get along because it feels like the vampires, especially in season two with Angelus, um, that they teamed up with demons all the time. The Judge, A those
0: weren't really team ups. That mm. was more like Angelus was like, you know what? I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna put the Judge back together, and the Judge is like, thanks for the assist, bro. <laughs> I got it from here. Um, and then A wasn't like all A did was be very still and stuck the world into hell almost like yeah those weren't really like your your everyday kind of demons yeah I, i'm with buffy and giles in this one right like the everyday demons unless you're paying them to be like your minion or something like spike has done in the past they're uh they're very antagonistic especially to vampires i think because as we've seen in the show before. Uh, vampires are considered like neither human nor demon, right? They're this awful like outcast hybrid. So humans shun them and even other demons shun them.
1: Mm. You know, I I actually am coming to your side of things on this discussion because remember Angel and his centuries-long fight with Lagos, the demon (laughs) that came to a head in Revelations. So you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, All right. Great talk. Let's keep going. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Riley and Buffy are standing close together, panting from the fight. And Buffy's like, we should tell Giles about this. It's the kind of thing he'd want to know about, like as soon as possible. And Riley's like, yeah, as soon as possible. Cut to Riley's dorm room. They are entering, making out. Buffy's like, first thing in the morning, we're going to tell Giles. And Riley's like, first thing, good plan. And then they fall onto the bed to have roughy sex cut to credits well
0: i guess they've completely made up after the events of who are you
1: Ooh, i have thoughts about that because i remember at the end of the last episode buffy's like let's just get it on you know what and he's like oh are we gonna talk about it she's like this is all we need so these two haven't talked at all in from what it looks like they have not discussed buffy feeling betrayed and why She felt that way. They haven't discussed how Riley feels about being used and um, pitted in the middle of Buffy and Face rivalry. It's just, it's like you guys should have talked about it, but then, you know what? Hormones get in the way, I guess. And Buffy, at the end of the day, probably just is really happy to be having sex.
0: Buffy has so much sex in season four, which... Like good for her. I'm not judging her for that. Like no. she deserves it after the rough go she's had at it. But yeah. I've said this before about season 4, but and I've said this about about individual episodes. This episode is very horny.
1: This episode is the horniest. As much as I'm sure you and I will have things to say about the sex scenes we see throughout this episode, the one positive note that I gave to Buffy and Riley's sex scenes and sex episode, sex sex, sex, sex episode, um, is that I am actually genuinely happy for Buffy, that she's found a guy who's really into her, he loves her, he just hasn't told her to her face, I guess, just, just faith, um, somebody who cares about her that she can have sex with and enjoy this kind of experience with, because she couldn't have that with Angel, and I, I they do depict that like right, they wear condoms later. Like I think this is a very good experience for her to go through at this age. So I'm happy for her in that case. Like good for you, Buffy, get it, girl.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I think even this first scene where they're like, oh, we should tell Giles right away in the morning. Yeah, in the morning. I think it's clear we're supposed to think like, oh my God, these kids, like they're just having like sex all the time and they're avoiding their responsibilities. But I don't see it that way. I I mean, I don't think Giles wants to be woken up in the middle of the night to be told that demons and vampires are teaming up. This can wait until the morning and they might as well, you know, do something while they're waiting to go see Giles. So this makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I, I agree with you, Steph. I want to be sex positive and say, hey, like, you know, if Riley is what is turning Buffy on right right now, I, 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 I guess that, <laughs> that's... good
1: for them that's great uh (laughs) yeah keep keep going guys have fun and also let's not forget that they didn't really get a honeymoon phase they they had that cringy (laughs) cringy fish face sex in the i and team and then riley lost his shit because maggie walsh got killed and the whole did buffy murder her thing so it kind of put a little damper it put a little hold on what could have been their honeymoon well, he phase also
0: got stabbed through his yeah cursor, right? and
1: then when he thought it was starting up again psych it was faith so here is the episode we're finally getting where they kind of dip into oh, that
0: they, they make up for lost time here
1: yeah they do and it's really if if, the, if they're depicting what it's like to be in that first couple of months of a relationship where you're finally you've you know you've gotten physical and you can't get enough of each other I get I, I get that storytelling because it that happens right that's that's real so all right so that, there it is that's the positive part <laughs> hey we're being pretty positive so far to be honest at Riley's dorm We sweep in like through the exterior of the dorm and then in like of the fraternity house and then into the main hall up the stairs into Riley's bedroom where he wakes up and he Buffy's sleeping beside him. He goes to the bathroom and there's like eerie music and he's walking around the bathroom slow like, "Ooh, could something be behind the curtain? No, it's just a drippy faucet. So they're setting this episode up with this sense of eeriness, you know, like it's almost like it's a haunted house episode. Right, at the end of the day. And they're set they're trying to set that mood and that tone early on.
0: I was too distracted by how much shirtless Riley we get in this episode. <laughs> it's too much stuff. There's too much shirtless Riley in this episode.
1: I didn't even notice he was shirtless. Like the, that's how <laughs> that's how bland it's like watching like a rice cake walk around.
0: No, no, no. I am not body shaming Mark Bluecast. No, okay? no, no.
1: The rice cake being that it, it's I don't I'm not craving it. If it's there, okay, cool. But I'm not going to reach for that for that rice cake. Uh if if the rice cake was angel, <sighs> there would be peanut butter or cheese on it, you know? There would be some some chocolate drizzle why
0: why is it always food metaphors (laughs) (laughs) i'm hungry (laughs) oh dear yeah so i i agree with you i i think we're also maybe supposed to think like is Riley doing something clandestine that he doesn't want Buffy to know about, right? Like, is he going downstairs to the initiative while she's sleeping and reporting in or something? So,
1: Interesting. Yeah. it's just-
0: You were seeing him tour the house and then he he focuses on the bathroom and it's like, oh, no, he's just going to pee.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he just has to pee. Um, and it's good to pee after a second, everyone write that down. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, it you know, you can get UTIs, but um, Riley, it's it's the eeriness, like the music and like the It's dark and it's the middle of the night and he hears a noise. Like they're setting up these, it's like a a horror story setup. It goes into the music because right after this is an ice cream truck and the ice cream truck music is not like, it's not like turkey in the straw. It's like an eerie Stephen King like setting. Does that make sense?
0: Ice cream trucks in general, even back when this episode was being filmed, were somewhat anachronistic. Right, A- and they evoke this idea of small town America. I don't know when was the last time you saw an ice cream truck, Steph?
1: I see them pretty often, to be honest. Real? Yeah. Now
0: I'm just jealous. It, <laughs> is, it has been it has been years what? since we've they seen an ice They don't come to your neighborhood?
1: Track. Are you serious? That's why that's... I knew. That's why I know they play Turkey in the Straw because I can hear it down the street. <laughs> right?
0: right, but so okay, so they do exist in 2022. I'm, I stand corrected. But they feel anachronistic, and especially like the way Xander's dressed in his little uniform with the cap and stuff. It, yeah. It, it's exactly what you said. This episode is establishing this horror genre atmosphere. In interesting and subtle ways. Look at us being more positive over the episode. Wow. Good, go go
1: on. I know, I'm actually like... (laughs) I mean, that's why I love talking about these with you because in the end, like, we could come out of here and be like, best episode of season
0: four. (laughs) So what's Xander's job count at now? Is this like job number five, six?
1: I think uh, six. Who's count? I mean, we can try and count right now if we can remember.
0: Listeners, tell us how many jobs Xander has in season four.
1: Yeah, someone else do it. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so... It's not really working. Like, I think it's a little bit clunky, the fact that they're trying to set up this, like, horror feeling in us all. But I see it. I'm like, I see what you're trying to do here. Um, So, yeah, so Xander's driving this ice cream truck. uh, And Anya's with him in the front seat. He's telling Anya, like, we should go to that big party at Riley's house. And Anya's telling him that the initiative men make her feel not comfortable and you don't care. And Xander's like... They don't know you're an ex-demon, and we don't know that they didn't care if they did know, which they aren't going to find out. And don't worry, they'll be flirting with every other girl to even notice you. And Anya's like, so you don't think I'm desirable enough to be flirted that's a with? Very,
0: yeah, that's a very weird remark from Xander.
1: Right? And Xander's like, I'm not going to win. And it's like, no, you're not, Xander, if you keep saying things like that. And Anya says, um, you don't find me attractive anymore. And Xander's like, I think you're gorgeous. And Anya says, well, why didn't we have sex last night? And Xander says, we we've gone other nights without sex before. And Anya's like, I know twice. I can't believe we're breaking up. And Xander's like, we're not, are we? And Anya says, you've obviously grown tired of me. I've seen it happen to thousands of women over the centuries. I just never thought it would happen to me. Xander says, there's more to you and me than sex. That, well, there should be. A relationship is something you work at, work through together. And Anya says, I don't understand. I'm pretty. I'm young. Why don't you take advantage of me? Is there something wrong with your body? I saw that wrinkled man on TV talking about erectile dysfunction. And Xander's like, whoa, hey, like all systems go here. But like, if okay, fine. Like you want to have sex? Let's have sex right here. Hot, sweaty, big sex. And of course, when he says that, he's by the window and there's a lineup of adults and children that hurt him say that
0: yeah the way the scene is filmed right the way it's shot is we just have close two shots and one shots on Anya and Zander and and we never see the window from which he serves ice cream so that when the camera changes its angle and looks down out of the truck you know at, at this point we haven't had any exterior views since the truck got there so we don't know that people have showed up We might be able to infer it. We might be able to guess that that's what's happening. This is an interesting scene because it is setting up the conflict between Anya and Xander that will run through the rest of the episode, which is good. It's a good setup scene. But aside from that, I think it's also just like an interesting joke. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a very funny joke uh, to have these two arguing and like, Almost having angry makeup sex except, oh, ha, ha like it's in front of the kids and shocked parents. It's a pretty funny joke. And, and that's common to many scenes in this episode. I think like we can take individual scenes and be like, okay, like the writers had a joke to tell here and they built the whole scene around that joke and then figured out how to fit it into the rest of the story.
1: Yeah, and I I do think it's, um, I mean, the last time we saw Xander and Anya fight like this was in Hush, remember? And she's like, you don't care about me, you only use me for sex. Um, And I thought that with, like, she had apparently been appeased when Xander was worried that Spike killed her and showed her some affection. So this episode is now coming up, what, like, eight episodes later? Eight or nine? And it's the same argument, (laughs) You know, except now they haven't had sex and, Zan- and Anya's feeling insecure about that. So I guess after all this time, even though like he's given her a little bit more, Xander's not giving Anya enough to make her understand where they are in their relationship. Yeah. Giles is at Buffy's dorm, which is really nice of him to drive all the way up there the five miles because they would have spent all morning getting to him to tell him this information. He's tired
0: of them <laughs> hanging at his place and trashing it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He just wants to have his breakfast in bed that he makes in bed.
1: Yes, his bedroom breakfast. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, So he's like, I'll come to you. Don't come here. Um, Tara, Willow, Riley, and Buffy are with him. And they're telling him about the vampires and demon team up. And he's like, well, there's been, you know, great discord between them. And again, that's where I was like, has there? (laughs) But I mean, they share the same bar, Willie's place. Um, Giles says... Yeah, like like demons have no empathy, empathy for other species other than their own. They think of vampires as abominations mixing with human blood. Um so they all think that Adam is doing this. Adam who is bringing these vampires and demons together because he's a he's a guy that's made up of a bunch of demon parts, right? Yes. So why not?
0: Who does he think he is? Does he think he's some kind of moloch who's just going to get worshiped by people? Praise moloch? moloch, like no.
1: No, he's not. Um yeah i i'm so glad we don't see adam in this episode uh the last thing i want is to associate adam with an episode all about having sex <laughs> so
0: i'm sure he has a floppy disk about that <laughs> yeah.
1: he's like standing in the broom. he's like oh i've read all about this and he puts it in. he slots it in um tara says that adam is bridging the gap between races and willow says like martin luther king Mm, no
0: no, not no. A, that's not a good joke
1: nope 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 uh, that's that's a flop so Giles says the next several nights uh, concentrate patrolling in that area if there are any other peculiar pairings let me know and Riley is saying that there's a reserve squad that's going to be patrolling be- during the party that he's having
0: <laughs> so basically all the people that have pissed Riley off get inside to the party squad Woo-hoo! <laughs> and have to go patrolling and miss the party
1: right and so unfair and riley is saying you know there's a the, tomorrow night they're they're having a thing and giles is like well it's now really like whose idea was this It's a bad time to like throw a party and riley says it, it was my idea the boys are ragged and needed to let some steam off and giles is like oh yeah of course and i thought this was a very interesting exchange where riley is showing some authority over giles to be like this was my idea and my boys are gonna have their keger <laughs> night you know um and I'm like, OK, this is interesting because, you know, we originally had Riley introduced to Giles almost like Buffy's father figure back in A New Man. And when he met him, he was very, can I get you a drink, sir? <laughs> like, 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 you know, and like here he is standing up to him a little bit, just be like, this is my call. Right. So I find that interesting. He invites Giles. Right. And Giles is like, uh, as much as I long for a good keger I have other plans at the Espresso Pump. Finally, we get a name. Did we always know that that coffee place in Sunnydale is called the Espresso Pump?
0: No, I think it's a different coffee place. Oh. Because the other one's kind of outdoorsy, right? Like it's open
1: yeah well I, th- I thought that was the same thing like at night they I thought it. this
0: one was indoors i don't know it's <laughs> i don't, hard. Know. It's hard to I don't tell. know
1: i don't i don't know why this town of four streets needs two coffee places but
0: it could be the same place and like you said we just were finally getting a name <laughs> okay, but, but so... here's the thing if it's the only coffee shop why does it need a name
1: mm, the power of having no name giles says it's a meeting of grown-ups it couldn't possibly be of any interest to you lot <laughs> so buffy and riley have been playing handsies this whole time right they're like stroking each other's fingers riley says buffy look at the time don't you have class and buffy says what in 20 class?
0: minutes you only had the one class buffy. you guys
1: class ended a couple months ago <laughs> surely
0: they're so bad at pretending they're actually going well
1: on. we've known Buffy's a bad liar for a long time not just about which classes she's taking but right now where she wants to go bang her boyfriend and they're like yeah there's gonna squeeze in squeeze in the the class so they run off Willow tries to cover for them right and Giles is like yeah yeah like I did attend at university in the Mesozoic era so I do remember what it's like so I found this really uncomfortable watching this I'm in my 30s and I watched this and I was like oh my god like How uncomfortable is it, like that your friends are like taking off to do a quickie before they have to go to their imaginary classes? But then I thought back to university days and like hook up and the honeymoon phase and all that stuff was so normal. It was like everyday stuff and like you know I had roommates like I heard them banging like i think it's like normal when you're younger to think about it right
0: oh my goodness i want to hear more stories
1: (laughs) i know i can't name names but like you
0: go through
1: (laughs) well no i'm just i'm just saying you're around this so much more when you're younger in in my experience so when i now i'm an old lady so i was just like what what is what is this
0: <laughs> you're closer to giles is what you're saying
1: yeah where i'm like oh yeah i remember what that See, was like
0: in my case i probably wouldn't have got what they were doing and i would oh. have thought they were just going somewhere
1: you're like oh yeah you guys better do that thing before class hurry up
0: <laughs> yeah or or like maybe like to go make out and stuff but i wouldn't have thought they'd like be having a quickie
1: oh it, no it's a quickie
0: no i agree with you yeah. but it, it's just This is how innocent, you know, young Kara was back during university.
1: Hey, there are people that might want to go and make out hardcore for a couple of, you know, 10 minutes before getting to class. Sure, why not? We just know that they're doing it. That's all. So back to Riley's dorm room at night. Uh, Forrest and Graham are outside and they're freezing, but they can hear Buffy and Riley having the sex. And we can hear Buffy and Riley having sex this whole episode because they make a lot of panting noises, right? Like, uh, uh, uh. (laughs) not quite like that, but that's what it sounds like to me. Four says, like, what did these two come up for air? And Graham says, slaves to the rhythm. Sure enough, like, we do get a shot of Buffy and Riley in the room, and Riley's reaching for condoms. So safe sex, everybody.
0: How how racy is this for 2000s television, right? Like, how much was this normal, and how much of this was them pushing the boundaries on what they could show on TV?
1: Interesting, yeah. I mean, the well, number one, this episode is the first... Uh, is the most sex that we've seen on the show so far. It's certainly the most sex Buffy's ever had on the show so far. I will, of course, bring up I Will Remember You later in this episode. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe I'll bring it up now because let's not forget that Buffy and Angel banged for 12 hours in his basement (laughs) when he was a human. (laughs) Um, Just saying, we've seen sex on Angel and Buffy. um, But in Buffy particularly, this is the most... That we've seen, so perhaps the WB is just like, alright, as long as it's not girl on girl, you know, as long as it's not two guys making out, show whatever you want.
0: As long as we don't have two women kissing. Goes.
1: <laughs> or they probably watched, you know, they went back and watched uh Who Are You and were like, wait a second, those women are having magic sex. You said it was just a spell to get the Kotra or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> we've been tricked <laughs> so good for the writers and good for the showrunners for sneaking one by the network uh but this one didn't sneak by this was very much a thumbs up for the network maybe they liked that all that stuff and who are you so they're like yeah yeah let Ruffy have it you know so the sex is intensifying as Graham and Forrest go downstairs. And uh, there's a guy, there's a rando guy in front of the fireplace downstairs. And he's like, I'm trying to keep this fire lit all night. It's an icebox in here. And uh, he sits in front of the fire as Graham and Forrest stand back and are talking to him, I guess. And then we can assume that either Buffy or Riley, or both, uh, climax of some sort. And then there's a giant explosion from the fireplace. That poor guy who spent an hour trying to light this fire catches fire. And Forrest manages to put out the fire and tells Graham to call for help. So this is where I was going to bring up Buffy and Angel. I, I had to obviously bring them up earlier because I, I couldn't help myself. Like I, I couldn't wait 30 seconds to get to this point. But um, the sex between Buffy and Riley is not hot in this episode
0: well to be fair they don't really show a lot of it like i know i was just questioning like how much of this can they get away with (laughs) especially like the condoms and stuff although i guess i guess they're mandated to show like safe sex or whatever but but we don't actually see a lot of we just see the suggestion that they're having sex a lot
1: yeah but like for an episode that's supposed to be all about sex and sexual repression (laughs) um the scene that we got in I will remember you with Buffy and Angel just exploding on themselves in the kitchen and on the table and licking food off each other in bed. that's hot. Uh, so so just the Buffy and Riley rolling How about the food with you? <laughs> no comment. Um Buffy and Riley, though, just like rolling around in bed is just it's just not. it's just it doesn't do anything for me personally. I don't think they have any chemistry. Again, good for Buffy. Good for you guys, honestly, like whatever. Maybe but, she's um, playing
0: the numbers game, you know? It's just eventually, if she has sex with Riley enough times, she'll come.
1: <laughs> One of these Statistically
0: times. Statistically speaking.
1: I'm just saying, for the fireplace to explode, for for a poltergeist to be born. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> um, th- th- Really? Like, this is the couple that does that th- this particular time? All right. All right.
0: Maybe Riley has a haunted dick. <laughs>
1: It's not the house it's your dick. <laughs> I really like that because <laughs> because this is a haunted house episode as we said earlier, right? We've already had a haunted house episode this season. It's called Fear Itself and it's wonderful. So, I would much rather explore Haunted Dick, <laughs> an episode about a haunted penis. <laughs> you have just upped the ante for this episode by fucking 50%. All right. Like I'm invested. Let's get into it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> fuck this episode, stupid okay sorry our, our, we're, off, we're off the rails this episode I'm telling you
0: <sighs> before we can talk more about that uh, we have to talk about Anya going to the Bronx mm. and uh, she sees Spike along the way because what he does is he jumps out at her he's got his vamp face on and he's like "Boo!" and then he tries to rob her uh but before he he does that he's like oh it's you and anya's like what are you doing she's like you you made me yell really high which is a very Anya way of talking right it's like it's not you scared me it's like you made me do this action yeah and spike uh demands money from her and she says well i'm not paying you for scaring me (laughs) which like that's that's Anya's thing right is she wants to get money she will not give you money no so spike's like okay you don't understand i'm robbing you this is not a transaction <laughs> <laughs> and anya says that's ludicrous you can't hurt me you've got a chip in your rail." like she's being very logical which is good for her um so he's like he gets frustrated he's like trying to attack her she's like you're not even bumpy anymore because he's <laughs> lost his van face Uh, which again, it's like this metaphor, right? For erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So Spike is like, I was, hang on, get me mad again. And Anya's like, does this really work? And Spike's like, yeah, it works. He's like all proud of himself. Like a, you know, like a, an irresponsible teenager. He's like, keeps me in blood and beers. And it's funny watching little humans quail. So Anya's like, well, I understand you more now. She's like, I understand why you're alone and friendless. And Spike's like, look who's talking, because Xander's not there. So he's like, did Xander have better things to do?
1: Well, he calls him Droopy Boy. <laughs>
0: it's fair. It's a fair description. I want to yeah. say, Emma Caulfield really looks her age in this scene. I don't know if it's just the the fake nighttime lighting or whatever, but like she looks older than like a young
1: late adult. 20s late 20s yeah i mean especially late at the very last scene of this episode i thought i'm like wow she looks mature <laughs> um and i
0: just i'm just calling that out i'm not you know i'm again i'm not here to body shame anybody's appearance but i'm calling that oh, out she looks beautiful
1: she's beautiful she, you know yeah.
0: i think it's just a sign of like this episode literally and figuratively does not paint people in a good light
1: yeah but what a what a nice thing to have spike and anya team up for an episode right like we don't get them in scenes very often together just the two of them and it's nice so let's cut to the party uh buffy's standing with xander willow and tara uh because hashtag no new friends
0: i will also say buffy is looking great in this scene like the way her hair is yeah such great waves I am into it.
1: All the orgasms she's been having has really done great things for her skin (sighs) and her hair. Riley's across the room with Forrest and Graham and Buffy and Riley are roughing it up. They're eyeing each other, they're eye-fucking each other across the room. (laughs) Graham and Forrest confirm that the guy that got that their orgasm exploded on (laughs) the night before. He's fine. He just singed his eyebrows apparently. I was like, what? He would have third degree burns from that, but whatever. No one's listening. No one's listening to their friends. Raleigh's not paying attention. Buffy's not listening to Xander, who's talking about how his, em, how embarrassing his life is with Anya, is what he says. I'm like, that's fucking rude. Um, he says, she didn't come tonight because she's upset. Is it me? Am I the crazy one? And Buffy's like, uh-huh, absolutely, because she's not paying attention. This actually reminded me, because Buffy's not paying attention to Xander, giving him any sympathy for what his, you know, his relationship, going through a little rough spot. And um, do you remember last week when we were talking about Xander and how we think that he would have preferred to stay in Jonathan's alternate reality because he felt valued there? He felt like he had um, more purpose in that reality? This kind of reminded me of that conversation again, because... Yeah, Buffy's just not listening to him. She's caught up in her own world where Jonathan might've listened.
0: Yeah, has that not been one of the themes of this whole season is Buffy has had less time for her social life with the Scoobies? Like, yeah, she's there for Slayer stuff, you know, but Xander's feeling it in his way. Willow is feeling it in her way. And it's coming up over and over throughout the season. And she felt it when Oz left and she turned to Buffy and Buffy was like, get over it (laughs) you know get over it but don't do too much magic you know (laughs) and now she's found tara and buffy's just like oh you have a friend cool (laughs) yeah you know that's part of this whole season is buffy is not being a great friend and i think we've talked before about how like we don't like it but we also acknowledge it is kind of a realistic aspect about the college
1: experience Mm -hmm. Uh, so willow Uh, brings up this moment to talk to tell Buffy that she bored her shirt and stained it but Buffy's not paying attention of course and um, Xander says I'm glad right now that a certain ex-demon doesn't have any powers cut to Anya saying boy I miss those powers (laughs) and she's having a drink with Spike on the couch at the bronze Anya is probably drinking coke because she's 19 apparently even though I think you know the way she's dressed tonight the way she looks as we said she looks more mature she probably could have gotten a drink or maybe Spike got her one what, did he jump scare the bartender? <laughs> yeah, that's true. How would he pay for it? Uh, so a year, she's saying a year and a half ago, I could have eviscerated him with my thoughts. Now I can barely hurt his feelings. Things used to be so much simpler. And Spike says, you know, you take the killing for granted and then it's gone. You're like, I wish I'd appreciated it more. Stop and smelled the corpses, you know? Oof. <laughs> These two, um, Anya says, now everything's complicated. And Spike says, it's a terrible thing. Love is. I've been there myself. Ended badly. And Anya says, of course it did. It always does. I've seen a thousand relationships. First, th- first there's love and sex. Then there's nothing left but vengeance. It's how it works. And Spike leans into Anya, and I thought he was going to hit on her for a second. But what he says is like, you and I should go do the vengeance, both of us. You eviscerate Xander, I'll stake Drew like a project. And Anya says, I just can't, but you, you go do Drew though, you know? And Spike's like, yeah, I will. Maybe later. Right. So I, again, I really like the scene between Xan, uh, between Spike and Anya because They do have a lot in common. Later, Xander and Anya are saying, like, what do we have in common? Well, it's like Anya and Spike have a lot in common in that they both used to be these badass demons, and now they're not. Yeah, exactly. And I think in the last episode, you were talking... No, in Who Are You? Kara, you were talking about Adam, because he gave a speech about being part of two worlds, and you had compared that to what Spike's going through, and I think I compared it to what Willow's going through. But, like, we forgot about Anya. Like, Anya's going through this, too, um, her and Spike both transitioning from this world of violent demon life into, well uh, for Anya for sure, a human life with a soul and Spike into this area that no one has ever been in yet when it comes to a, spy- a vampire that's still evil but cannot do evil anymore. So I think having these two together to reinforce that they're both transitioning and they're both going through this um, change from one world to another reinforces that idea that maybe even the season overall is all about transitioning into a new world from leaving one to the other, (laughs) right? We're going from high school to college, right? The first three seasons of the series to the last, you know, however many there's going to be is there's, there's a lot of this going on in this season. Season four is, all about that transition, yeah. which I find, which I'm not saying this episode specifically is bringing that out. But when we get these little conversations about how far the characters have come from where we've seen them in the last three seasons, it's so clear. It's like, wow, like everyone's moving forward, some more gracefully than others. <laughs> right. So,
0: <laughs> I think that's a great point. So then we go to the party at Riley's Rat house and we've got what Steph has called a niche in her notes. <laughs> Welcome back, Mitch. We, no,
1: but you know who this is, actually. He was in Beer Bad, this guy. He Was, was one he of the
0: same guy? Yeah, like, he's yeah. he's definitely talking like one of those punks, I'm going to call him.
1: Yeah, one of these, like, um, self-important smart guys, I guess. Um, someone who thinks yeah, that he's I way smarter than he is. a lot of those
0: in university.
1: Yeah, yeah, so we've seen him before. He was one of the uh, guys that got turned into a gay man.
0: Well, he deserved it. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so he, he's in a hallway uh kind of like upstairs i think you know it's kind of away from the main party and he's chatting up a girl and they've got beers in their hands and he's you know swirling his beer around and he's talking about the inherent sensuality of language Mm. you know he's like take french it's all about the conjugations fronted vowels nobody ever talks about the way language tastes you know and you want to, like, he's not wearing a turtleneck, neck, but if you were wearing a troll <laughs> neck, you'd want to, like, rip the troll neck off him and pull his stupid beret down, like.
1: Yeah, this it's, guy stop, He thinks he's stop.
0: the shit. He, he, he's like, this is my way of picking up girls. Does this work, my guy? Like.
1: I don't, it's hard to tell if it's working on the girl, because I don't think it is, because she only gets interested after what happens next.
0: <laughs> right, so he's, he says, just think about car versus voiture, which mm. is the, the French word for car, um, which I, I think he's trying to say that French is sexier than English. And I think most people agree with that statement. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't understand, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He's trying to pick up a girl. But when he does this, he leans against the wall with his hand. He touches it and he's like, whoa, like, <laughs> like he just kind of like shudders. Yeah. Um, the implication being that he's having an orgasm, which I will tell you, Steph, when I watched the show when I was younger, did not get it. oh I don't know when it clicked for me. I don't know if it was last time I rewatched or it. it but it was only recently, in a very recent rewatch, that yeah. I finally understood what was going on. In this what did scene. you
1: think was happening?
0: I thought he was just having some kind of reaction.
1: He's <laughs> just got allergic reaction.
0: <laughs> well, because I, I'm just like, what is like, what's That's going cute. on here? Like, I didn't connect it up to everything else. I'm just like, oh, like the house is, you know, something going on in this house. He's having like a. A weird reaction.
1: Well, they never actually explain the orgasm wall, do they? Like, why? (laughs) Why? So is it
0: outside Buffy and Riley's room?
1: I don't think so because they're downstairs, are they not? Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can just buy orgasmic paint. I don't know. Maybe there's (laughs) lead in that paint. Maybe we shouldn't be touching the wall. (laughs) So anyway, while this is happening, Xander's downstairs talking to a girl. Always a bad move. Uh, they're looking at a trophy, not the trophy with Amy's mom, fortunately. yeah. <laughs> and so he's like reading off the trophy and the girl's like, you know, scoffing a little bit, but in a kind of a flirty way. and he's like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to impress you with my knowledge of being able to how to read. And so she quips back, "Well, you didn't even have to sound anything out." And so, like I, I can pick up on they're flirting, right?
1: Yeah, they're flirting. They're flirting, and surprisingly, it's working, right? Like Xander right? is not a smooth. Remember the last frat party? I well, mean, not the last one, but the remember in season two, reptile no, I boy. Don't. Yeah, no, that's
0: that's not good memories.
1: Well. He sucks. He, he used to suck at flirting. But here he is flirting with this girl. She thinks he's funny. And he says, like, funny, amusing or funny, back away and avoid eye contact. And she's like, both. And then, you know, she's like, who are you here with? And he's like, well, right now, I seem to be here with you. So that's actually a very smooth line from Xander Harris. And I'm confused because don't you have a girlfriend named Anya? Number one, why are you flirting with this girl? But also, when did you get good at it?
0: You know? Right? Like, is this technically cheating? Or close to? Like, borderline?
1: I don't know what he's trying to get out of this exchange. I think that's where the, the key for whether he's cheating or not is there. Because he has no reason to approach this girl, other than like, he just saw her standing there. And like, I don't understand this part of the episode with Xander. He's fighting with Anya fine. But if he's intending to get to know this girl so that later he can play spin the bottle with her and make out with her. Yeah, that's cheating. You know, but, like, if he just happened to, like, make her laugh and then he's, like, going to lean into it, I, I don't know. But, like, like, flirting can be very innocent. But what's the intention here?
0: Well, it's Xander, so...
1: Yeah. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it. That's what I'm saying. Um Buffy goes to Riley. I don't like this either. She says, um, I need you to look at my essay, <laughs> right? And Riley hands Forrest his drink. He's like, yeah, I- catch you guys later. We got an essay to look at. And they run upstairs.
0: You said just say, I need to go fuck you. Like,
1: I'd rather. I would rather you just be honest and be like, let's go bone. Um, They run upstairs and Graham is like, and I'm the one who got a D in covert ops. <laughs> Graham, you're so cute. So the Mitch guy is calling to this other guy named Evan. He's like, you got to come see this. Like, You got to touch this right here. And the guy's like, I'm getting a beer. (laughs) And he's like, no, 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 dude. Like, you're going to touch this. And Evan's like, this is a trick. But he touches the wall. And sure enough, he comes in his pants. (laughs) So crude. In front of everybody. And they're all like, wow. Wow. so uh willow and tara are on the stairs talking tara is saying you like talking about how she used to ride horses and stuff and you know she'll take willow and willow's like i'll go with you if you if you promise you'll look after me kind of thing and it's cute but she does reach out to talk to tara to touch her and tara jumps back she says
0: ride with me it'll be safe and fun
1: Mm. so you want to talk about the context there
0: phrasing
1: yeah the phrasing I'll ride with you as long as you promise you'll look after me. We already know Tara can look after you, Willow. We saw it. Right. But yeah, Who are you? It's
0: like, that's very, very like sexual innuendo here, which of all the couples going on right now in this series, I'm just like, I don't know if Willow and Tara are technically a couple at this point. I kind of feel like once you have orgasms or once you do orgasm magic with somebody, maybe you're a couple, but...
1: I think more so know. that when you say you're mine, right? Like, I'm yours. Yeah, I'm, that's... I'm
0: rooting for them, basically. Yeah. And like all the people in this episode, I'm like, you can have your horniness and your sexual innuendos.
1: Yeah, if only you and Tara, if only Willow and Tara had unleashed an orgasm poltergeist onto the world, which actually would have made more sense if they had done it because they're magic. Uh, but anyway... Yeah, so Tara flinches from Willow's touch and she's like, don't touch me, that's disgusting. Whoa, and Willow's like, what's the matter? And Tara's like, I don't know. (laughs) So Willow like apologizes and like, obviously she's like, are you okay? And Tara's like, I'm fine, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And she runs upstairs leaving Willow looking upset. So Spike and Anya enter the party and Spike's like, I know these guys from somewhere, and Anya says initiative soldiers. They live here, and experiments happen in the lab under the house. It's where they kept you to put your chip in. Let's go have fun. And uh, this is the <laughs> second time they've mentioned Spike's chip in this episode. And like it's, this show, have you noticed? Like every episode, they have to explain Spike's chip. Like there's not an episode that goes by where they don't remind the audience Spike has a chip. <laughs>
0: I mean, I just love Anya's delivery here, right? She's just so matter of fact, she's like, yep. You know, no secrets here. I know all about the initiative. I'm just going to talk about it in front of everybody.
1: Ah, Well, it's not like the initiative really cares either, because Spike says, like, what are you doing? You brought me here. And then Xander comes up and he's like, what are you doing? You brought him here? (laughs) And um, he's like, oh, yeah, this is crazy. We had a little fight. It just means that we need to work through some stuff. Doesn't mean that we rebound with the evil undead. What have you two been doing anyway? Xander, what have you been doing? You've been flirting with this girl at this party. So, like, what are you doing, you know? Spike says, oh, who's the puffed-up manly man? All splotchy and possessive. And Anya says, it's not very convincing, is it? And Spike says, now I I see what you said earlier. No follow-through. And Xander's like, what a surprise! Hostile 17! (laughs) Can I get you a drink? Hostile 17? And, like, Spike's like, ugh. But then nothing happens because these frat guys, I guess, they're drunk or they're not paying attention or, like, they were never ever really good at catching Spike in the first place. So Spike's like, great. So I'm just going to go. You guys stay here. I'm going to go drink. So he leaves. <laughs> so Xander says to Anya, what have you been doing with him? And Anya's like, well, we didn't have sex, if that's what you mean. That's all we do now, not have sex. And Xander <laughs> says, you're overreacting. We had a fight. It's okay. It's normal. And Anya's like, the normal part of ending a relationship, right before the vengeance begins. And Xander's like, vengeance? And she okay. says, relax. Yeah,
0: I will say, like xander's being you know kind of shitty in other parts of this episode including what he just did with like the borderline flirtation thing but in this particular conversation and also back in the ice cream truck like he's being strangely reasonable for xander right he's like we just had a fight like it's normal that's what relationships are sometimes there's conflict i'm just like am i hearing these words out of the mouth of xander harris
1: i know i know like i mean I, they are setting it up so that like Xander is always the rational one and Anya is always the irrational, emotional mm. one here. So when I look at it from that angle, I'm just like, oh, okay, is this really realistic since Xander is the most immature out of all these Scoobies? But on the other hand, if we want to give Xander more kudos, it's like, well, good for him because Anya is being pretty out there in, in terms of what she's upset about. I don't know if it's because she's also immature or maybe she just doesn't understand because she's an ex demon, but Xander having more patience and explaining to her like that this is normal is a good thing. But at the same time, you could also look at it from the other angle, right? Like maybe the condescending way in which he exerts his experience and his human knowledge over her can be taken you know more negatively in some
0: cases. I don't really think that's what's happening here, though. I think overall, for sure, Mm -hmm. I think there's Mm -hmm. examples of that throughout their relationship. But I think in this case, right, like Anya has an issue, which is fair. Anya's allowed to be upset that they're not having as much sex as she wants. But I think Xander's correct when he's like, this is not the end of the world and we're not breaking up if you don't want to break up, right? Like he, he's responding to her very calmly. Yeah. Until she pushes him far enough that he's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have a fight about this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's another part about being in a relationship, especially when you're young, is learning how to fight, right? Like you have to learn how to argue and argue productively, right? So
0: what you do is you construct a sound argument built on logical premises and you prepare your argument. Um, and then you have a structured debate with a debate moderator. Mm, I, do,
1: I do have a debate moderator- on call for when me and seb have an argument
0: <laughs> that's what so, i thought
1: yeah um actually it, i was gonna ask you to do it Kara. <laughs> we're gonna facetime you in every time
0: point to staff yeah. um <laughs> thank you I, I don't know i might be biased
1: yeah it's true you need you need somebody who's not a friend of either of you someone I'll call who somebody
0: up and have them on the line with me so i can defer to them if you feel like
1: there's a conflict <laughs> of interest
0: would you like my debate moderator number
1: that's your uh, new business. We'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) So um, what Anya says next is actually interesting, where she says, I'm just telling you that we have nothing in common besides both of us liking your penis. And now I don't even have that. So I get to say what it's done and it's done. And this actually sparked my interest because I was like, it's true. Like Anya and Spike have a lot more in common than Anya and Xander, in my opinion, just like spike has a lot more in common with faith and spike has a lot more in common with giles than a lot of these characters right like spike just has chemistry and can get along with anyone in a mean way (laughs) uh but it's true like uh, like what is the attraction between anya and xander
0: she was attracted to him at the end of season three i don't remember
1: (laughs) that's what i mean it we like again they've been having this argument all season um so i'm just trying to be like okay so what is it here that they love that they love about each other you know uh, i hope they show us more of that dynamic in the I future i think she
0: liked the fact that he was less macho than the other guys in well, she school? thought he was
1: so macho remember when he was a construction worker and she was like i'm thinking of having well, with him right now yeah that was later oh well, that's true you're right like yeah back in like prom she's like well you're not like the neanderthals at this high school right like you're more mature i guess she thought he was Oh, Anya. Or maybe he just took the time to, like, correct her, which is what he's still doing, you know, a year later. I don't know. It's complicated. Xander says, you know what? You don't deserve to be the one to walk away from this. I put up with a hell of a lot from you. Much of that in the last minute, which, you know, is kind of true. If anyone gets to be the one to leave. It's me. And Anya's like, you're leaving me? And Xander's like, yes, I am. And Anya's like, where are you going? And Xander says, to enjoy the party. And he starts to walk away from her. And at this point, they're shouting at each other from across the room. And Anya's like, then I'm staying too, to show you how much I'm not bothered by you having fun, because I'll be having more fun. And Xander's like, I'm having fun already. And Anya's like, me too. Woohoo! (laughs) And she walks away. I liked the ending of that. That's pretty funny.
0: It's a very, it's a very yeah. funny... Like, this whole scene is very funny, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's what I was saying earlier about how, like, they got some good jokes, and then they worked it into the episode.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then, like, again, with this weird flirtation between okay. Xander and this girl, he's walking by a group of people who are playing spin the bottle, and he sees the girl he was talking to, and he decides to join because she's there, right? So I'm like, what the... What in the world?
0: So is this a thing? Like, I know, I obviously know what Spin the Bottle is. I've never seen anybody play it in real life. Was this a thing on college campuses in the 2000s?
1: No, no. This is a high school game um, or like an elementary school game because in university, you can just go make out with whoever you want and go to the room and and really? bone them. Or go to the bluffs in the car, you know? <laughs> like you... Or go
0: touch the orgasm wall. Yeah,
1: there's so much you can do at a college party, right? I'm, I'm not going to say no, it doesn't happen. Like, you know any like any young adult can play this game uh but i think it is a lot more common when you're younger and you're having your first kisses and stuff right but i don't know whatever if i saw this happening at a party like at my age i'd be like no we're all married but (laughs) but in my early 20s and i if they're playing it it's kind of like okay sure whatever right a good way to share covid so Spike is sitting with a beer, um, and a guy does say, "Like you look familiar." And Spike's like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." So Spike is just going to sit it. at this party, right? I've,
0: honestly, that's probably the best place for it, right? He can't hurt anybody here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. At least we know he's not robbing people. <laughs> so Xander spins the bottle, and it lands on her name's Julie, right? This girl that he's flirting with, um, and she comes over ki- timidly, and he kisses her on the cheek. Like he doesn't, he's. I don't think he expected it to go this far.
0: I, I call rigged.
1: Yeah. Julie has magic. She wanted this to happen. But she just pounces on him and aggressively starts making out with him in front of everybody. And Xander pushes her away. And he's like, Julie, what? And she is, like, shocked that she did that. She's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I'm and she runs away. anybody
0: would do that to Xander.
1: Uh, yeah. We're like, Julie, this is unheard of behavior. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. So um, he goes after Julie. And he sees the group of people. There's now a group of people all touching the orgasm wall like one by one. They're lined up.
0: Yeah. It's also like they were calling it the orgasm wall.
1: <laughs> what else would you call it? Every house needs one. <laughs> what else would you call it? Um, so he goes, he can hear Julie crying in the closet. What she's doing is she's saying, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad over and over again as she cuts her I, hair. I,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't really care to unpack a lot about this scene, but, you know, there, there's things we could say here about self-harm and about abuse, you know, and, yeah. and what we learn later on about the source of this whole haunting or, or poltergeist or whatever it is, like, you know, cut up in this idea of uh, people in power historically have cut children's hair to exert power over them, right? So,
1: I don't yeah. know. It's, just, we, I it's mean... a small
0: little scene, but it's like, there's a lot going on here.
1: There is, and um, there's definitely parallels to be drawn with, you know, even when I was watching this episode, I was thinking about the residential schools, right? Yeah. And, like, there's so there's a lot of dark and true undertones here. Um, I don't know how much I want to give this episode credit for for talking about these things, though, because it doesn't talk... Well, it doesn't. Like, yeah, so, yeah. Mm, anyway, you know, but I hear you about this, yeah. just wanted to take a
0: moment to acknowledge, right, that... Yeah amidst all the the fun we're having you know with this episode there's some serious stuff happening where it's like wow like that is self-harm right there
1: yeah yeah it is of course uh we cut to willow who's going up to talk to tara in the bathroom the same one riley was in uh the few nights before and tara's not in there and willow like drinks from the tap of the sink i was like what is this and then she
0: takes a towel and brings it to her mouth it dries her mouth with a random uh, frat boy towel. Kara,
1: I wrote that too. I was like, rule number one, girl, right? touch nothing. Touch like, nothing in the I, frat house.
0: <laughs> I will say, this is the cleanest frat boy bathroom I've ever seen.
1: Well, it's a military bathroom, right? So they have to keep it clean. True. Yeah.
0: But like Willow, like I I wouldn't wipe my hands on a oh. towel in a frat party bathroom.
1: My jeans would be where I wipe my hands. Right. Yeah.
0: But like why would you ever touch it to your mouth I was disgusted by the
1: scene <laughs> willow gross you kissed her with that mouth but also uh the drinking from the sink was pretty funny too like what's happening anyway what the point is she hears a noise and it's very horror movie like ooh what's it what is it and she looks in the bathtub and um, there's someone drowning in the in the bathtub no and then he disappears and will's like where'd he go and boom he's behind her he's a ghost child willow screams and Buffy and riley are mid coitus and they hear willow scream and riley's like is that willow and buffy's like i don't know doesn't matter and they keep boning downstairs uh the spin the bottle people uh xander's asking them if they're friends with julie and they all ignore him willow finds xander and says there's a ghost boy drowning in a tub i tried to save him but being a ghost it was too late (laughs) So Xander's like a ghost. What's the deal? Is every frat on this campus haunted? And if so, why do people keep coming to these parties? Because it's not the snacks.
0: <laughs> no, Xander. It's not the frat house. It's Riley's dick.
1: It's, it's not the frat house. It's his dick. Um. <laughs> okay. Again, I miss Fear Itself. If I could rewind and I would watch this episode again and recap it again.
0: I think that's part of the reason why this episode is not as good, right? Like it it just, it treads so closely to Fear Itself. And yeah, they lampshade it here in this scene with Xander, but it's like, yeah, you did that already. You should have thought of a different way to do this. I have a, by the way, I have a, this is a very random question, I'm sorry. Mm. Does Joyce know that Buffy's dating Riley? I don't think so. Right? That's why I'm thinking like they should have done an episode where Buffy brings Riley home. And then maybe like they have like haunted. I don't know. But I, I mean, I guess then the, the house isn't haunted. But that's why you should have made the episode about Riley's haunted dick. I, <laughs> like this would have been a better episode.
1: I want an episode. No supernatural element at all. Riley goes to Buffy's house to meet Joyce. He finds the basement full <laughs> of illegal weed and plants <laughs> and <laughs> artwork and, and black market dealings and he's like this is fine and he has to struggle with himself whether to turn it or not <laughs> and that already that description uh, that plot line for that episode Gives me more sympathy for Riley than the entire "Goodbye <laughs> Iowa" episode.
0: <laughs> oh, that's what they should have done instead.
1: God, we should just let's do um, what's it called? We should write um, some
0: fanfiction.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, fan fix fanfiction. Like right where we like fix these, some of these episodes. Oh,
0: I like it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry for the random tangent, everybody. I just I was thinking about this while I was listening to "Who Are You," and I'm just like. Joyce doesn't know that Buffy has a boyfriend now. <laughs> it was just the most random thought. And I wanted... It, I don't know. We brought... I don't know.
1: You know uh, what? I had uh, a so random anyway. thought about... though. It was just. I mean, if we're going to tangent because it's where the wild things it. are. Let's just have a tangent episode, okay? Um, I had a thought and I just... like, Remember how it took us... One, I think 15 episodes before we learned Joyce's name.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much the whole of season one, like, right? We got Joyce's name in season two.
1: I don't know. I thought about that the other day and it pissed me off. <laughs> Joyce deserves more. She, de- We deserve to see her meet Riley. We deserve to see more of her hookups in Sunnydale this season. <sighs> so Tara comes down to see them she says she's okay but she doesn't like it here the house like they should go and the bottle from the spin the bottle game spins so hard it shatters and i guess it gets in people's eyes which is actually very serious (laughs) um they all say buffy and they run upstairs and they try to bang on the door um admits riley and buffy banging on the other side of the door and uh we can hear their groans and stuff but then vines start growing from underneath the door so what do you think the vines mean Kara? like there's a lot of vines in this episode
0: it's very fairy tale-esque you know it's like the it reminds me of Sleeping Beauty Um, Mm. I don't know
1: (laughs) I don't know I didn't want to think too hard on it I was like biblical like Adam and Eve like they used to walk around with like you know covered in stuff (laughs) you know covered in plants I don't know I don't know Someone else can tell us our brains aren't working tonight. We see Riley and Buffy in bed, and it's an interesting shot. Actually, uh, the camera is panning above them, further and further away, like they're in the sunken place from Get Out. Riley's like, "Do you want to go back?" And Buffy's like, "Never." So, this kind of this shot—if you haven't seen a shot like this before, where it's like all black around them except for the bed—and um, what is it? Like The Shining? Like, are they trying to give us like this horror? again this horror haunted house horror vibe in this episode but it's right. not working for me
0: that's like with the vines like it's so random this episode is just full of all these random things there's ghosts <laughs> and orgasm walls and vines and sunken place and i'm just like i can't i'm like it's so chaotic and not in a good way it doesn't come together
1: it's so chaotic that you and I have got on tangents about episodes that don't exist. <laughs> like, like well, these are episodes we want to see, right? <laughs> so, okay, the vines snake up the door, and Tara is looking over the balcony at the party, and the house starts to shake. The house is an earth- earthquake, um, and Buffy should be worried about the earthquake because the last earthquake in Doomed meant apocalypse.
0: You know what they say: if the frat is a rocket, <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't come a knockin'. Is that what I was? <laughs> Um, the the house really doesn't want them to break up uh, the roughy sex so the party guests start freaking out they run out right Spike just grins because I guess he finds earthquakes funny but then he gets strapped into the chair like just like these leather straps come out and just bind him to the chair for some reason yeah. Forrest runs into graham who's <laughs> just standing there and he's like how could these people to safety and graham is like touch not the impure thing for ye shall perish find salvation in the cross of our lord and savior moloch the corrupter Can okay, no he didn't say the last part but like i wish he had <laughs> in his name forest run like grabs Graham and like he scans their eyes in front of the mirror and they take the elevator down. And I was like, Forrest, you literally learned nothing <laughs> from Hush. Remember <laughs> in Hush when it said, in case of emergencies, use the stairs. <laughs>
0: Good point.
1: God. So party guests are running out, right? Anya um is standing in the hallway and a ghost girl runs right through her. Xander, Anya, Tara, and Willow all get books thrown at them. Spike manages to like break out of his leather straps and um xander grabs julie who's bald now and helps her out in the initiative i don't know why this scene is in here at all like who cares but like Forrest is telling this lab code guy that there's a disembodied presence in the house the scientist guy is just like yep yeah, like uh level five precautions right like uh lockdown and they're like okay and that's it yeah so- i
0: think it's just meant to kind of be an excuse for like okay well and this is how the initiative reacted to what was going on useless
1: well don't you think it's funny that like in the initiatives frat house the initiative who are very much aware of supernatural life they don't seem shocked that there's an orgasm wall
0: <laughs> they're aware they're not very good at it and yeah for something called the initiative they're not taking the initiative on this one yeah
1: <laughs> so outside Willow is like, we need to get back in there. And Anya's like, why? And Xander's like, because Buffy and Riley are trapped. And Anya's like, so? (laughs) She's the Slayer. He's a soldier boy. What do they need you for? And Xander says, there's ghosts and shaking and people are going all Felicity with their hair. Now, do you understand that reference, Kara?
0: I am aware of the TV show Felicity. I don't understand the the reference to cutting one's hair.
1: So... Felicity is a TV show on the WB, and season one is great. I recommend it. Carrie Russell starred as Felicity, and she had this magnificent curly hair. And everyone recognized Felicity because of her hair. And then in season two, oh, no. she cut it off.
0: And then the show sucked?
1: Yeah. It it actually plummeted in so ratings. it's
0: like a reverse Riker's beard.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing. Because she cut off all her hair... The ratings plummeted and like, hey, that could be because the storylines weren't good that season either. But like the popularity of the show, which was like a buzz show when it first came out, went so low that the WB put out a protocol for all their shows. That's Gilmore Girls, Dawson's Creek, Buffy, like all of these shows that the actors were not allowed to change their appearance without the permission of the network. Right. So, yeah, it was it was a thing. Felicity's hair was a part of pop culture. So.
0: Thank you for that history with staff. <laughs> uh
1: pop culture history with me. If you want to talk about Felicity season season one, I'm there for you.
0: I mean, why don't we just watch it right now and start talking about the rest of this episode? I
1: love <laughs> that we're we gonna keep
0: going off on of these tangents.
1: Because I, I just care more about our tangents than I care about this episode. Oh. So so let's let's finish this. So <laughs> um Spike says. I'm in to help rescue Buffy and Riley. I'm not the first choice for heroics, and Buffy's tried to kill me more than once, and I don't fancy a single one of you. But actually, all that sounds pretty convincing. And then he goes... (laughs) And he says, he says, like, I wonder if Asian House is open as he's walking away. And I was like, finally, not only do we get a name for the coffee place, which is the Espresso Pump, but we're getting a name from the notorious Chinese restaurant that Joyce keeps ordering from, these and keep, and all these Chinese vampires keep coming from. <laughs> these names are so bad,
0: <laughs> right? Like Espresso Pump for a coffee house, yeah. and Asian then Asian House. house? <laughs> I, but I, honestly, I can't yeah. judge Steph because. We have a, an Asian restaurant that's like, I, I don't know the exact name, but it's like Asian place or something. Here's well, yeah,
1: bed. you have the Chinese Express. You have like a lot of these things, right? So, I, hey, I, I didn't find that offensive, the name of the restaurant. I liked that I knew finally a name for the Chinese place that Joyce orders from.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, sorry. It's literally just called Asian.
1: It's just called Asian? Okay, well, guys. <laughs> it's <just funny>. not <laughs> you even can juzh it not up not a even little restaurant, bit. <laughs> just
0: Asian. And it's Chinese and Vietnamese cuisine. And Thai.
1: Oh, interesting. Where is I don't it? know.
0: It's I don't know. I've never I've never ordered from it because I have better places to order my ethnic food from than someplace called Asian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like like I'm saying, I'm just like, I would like to call the show out on this, but I'm sorry, it's it's true. For Small towns and yeah. have the worst names for restaurants.
1: Yeah. And as you know, the resident Asian of this podcast, I didn't find that offensive. I was like, yeah, probably. Oh, I don't.
0: Yeah. Like, I just, I think it's a an unoriginal name.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, I much prefer House of Chow. <laughs> so Anya says, like, Xander, let's get out of here. And Xander's like, if you want to bail, fine. I'm going in there. And I'm not coming out until I, my friend is with me. So Xander enters the house, gets thrown out immediately by the ghost. Uh, Will's like, we need to go see giles and tara's like well he's at the espresso pump and willow's like well he told us not to come he needed more grown-up time and cut to the espresso pump and this when i say an a scene in this This episode transcends yes yes this is it this is it
0: this scene almost redeems the episode in my
1: eyes almost almost um everyone giles is playing guitar for a crowd and he is singing a song by the who i believe you know no one one knows knows what what it's like to be the sad man oh and he's so good at singing he's got the voice of an angel oh my god he sounds so good he's so hot here
0: i hope we get to hear him sing more later in the series it would
1: be a shame if we were denied his sweet voice in an an entire episode, you might say. Um, The Scoobies are watching this in absolute shock. Xander is saying, could we go back to the haunted house because this is creeping me out? And Tara's like, does he do this a lot? And Xander's like, sure. Every day the earth turns backwards and the skies turn orange. So... Giles sees the Scoobies while he's singing and he falters for a second, but he continues. And Willow is so googly-eyed. I mean all the girls are. All the girls are googly-eyed. And um Willow's like, now I remember why I used to have such a crush on him. <laughs> we knew it. We knew you did, Willow, back in season one. You had this picture in your locker. Tara says, well, he is, like, pretty good. And Anya's, like, his voice is pleasant. And Xander's like, what? And Willow's like, oh, come on. It's kind of sexy. And Xander says, like, okay, I'm fighting a mental breakdown here. Like, no more fueling the fire, please.
0: I mean, I'm ace, and I see it.
1: Yeah, no, I see it. And I'm, not, I'm usually not the kind of girl that goes for, like, you know, the acoustic guitar playing musicians. Like, usually when I'm at a party and someone pulls out their guitar, I'm like, nah. <laughs> But Rupert Giles could get it with that guitar. Like, pfft. What a, what a transcendent yeah, 100%. performance.
0: 100%. I would go home with him. I wouldn't have sex with him, but I'd go home with him.
1: I'd go home with him and have sex with him, and I would make him bedroom breakfast in the morning.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: uh, Joyce is so lucky that she got to get with this guy. It's
0: hilarious, though. And again, this, this scene has nothing to do with the story of the episode, right? It is a one-off <laughs> joke scene, but it is so well done and it's so good. Tony Head sells it with his performance and, you know, like Alison Hattigan and Amber Benson and Emma Caulfield and even Nicholas Brendan, like the way that they their reactions to it right it's just like oh like everybody is on point
1: yep 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 so hey love this scene in an episode that i do not love at all so let's cut back to the house we hear girls sobbing we hear shrieking the vines are growing all over the hallway riley and buffy are taking a break and then buffy's like you're too far away from me and riley's like i'm right here and she's like you have to keep touching me (sighs) okay they're at the library right Uh, I guess the public library, Giles um, is asking about Buffy and Riley. You know, did you call out to them? And Xander's like, yeah, they're probably too busy doing it to answer and giles is like what doing what and xander's like you know for a god of acoustic rock you're kind of naive and Z- giles says in the midst of it all do you really think that they're keep they would just keep it up right and then he's like oh for a different phrasing <laughs> you know willow says that a-, a lot of people at the party were acting weird sexually like in ways and giles is like well it could be some form of succubi or a satyr's prank and could even be the energy coming from the lab underneath lowell fraternity and i want to remind um, you Kara, in the pilot episode episode one of season one giles mentioned succubi he says you know like vampires demons succubi zombies and like we actually haven't seen a succubi yet on this show
0: succubus
1: succubus and i want to like, I, that would be a cool episode well, to talk maybe about that. you'll get your wish. I better get my wish after what this show put us through with this episode. Willow has found a history book that says between 1949 and 1960, the Lowell home for children housed upwards of 40 adolescents, uh, runaways, juvenile delinquents, and emotionally disturbed teenagers from Sunnydale area. And Tara asked if anyone died there. And Giles like, oh yeah, we could be dealing with a standard haunting. Oh yes,
0: yes, mm, a standard haunting. Yes, a type three B manifestation.
1: Yeah, he's like, remember in uh, season two in uh, I in I Only Have Eyes for You. Remember that standard haunting. You're
0: so good with episode names.
1: <laughs> I mean. I do type them all out every week. So I have a good memory for it. Will says, no, the article is only talking about the old house director, Genevieve Holt. Sunnydale's children's aid. 30 years of community service, giving disadvantaged kids the loving home they deserved. She's not dead, though. So they... (gasps) I just had a thought. I just had a tangent thought as I was reading that. Remember we saw Riley put condoms on earlier right? Because he's a human boy. He's a real boy. And he could get Buffy pregnant. Angel couldn't get Buffy pregnant. So they probably went straight up.
0: If you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die.
1: Exactly. So Riley's protecting themselves from getting pregnant and dying. However, when Angel and Buffy did it, and I will remember you, no way did Angel have condoms in his basement because he was a vampire. Ooh, so
0: Good point, good point.
1: Him and Buffy were raw-dogging it, number one.
0: Do you, think, <laughs> do you think when Cordelia went out to get them ice cream and stocked their fridge that she had to get coffee from she
1: them? She just chugs cold and them. okay, no, but I'm saying, what if Angel got Buffy pregnant that day and... That, i mean it i mean it literally does nothing because he erased it all at the end of the day but like what I, if he I got just... her pregnant and that was part of the reason why like it's like no everything's screwed up if she gets pregnant and then she will die so like it ruins both your destinies it's, basically
0: i don't know Steph. that seems like a stretch it's not like joss whedon has something for like weird disturbing mystical pregnancies or anything <laughs>
1: hey food for thought everybody um that's another tangent from me because i just can't stand this episode so uh let's cut to genevieve in her house um they found her she's awake she said she was doing morning prayers it must be two in the morning so this woman's a demon like she's a monster. she says that she loves talking about her kids, though. So she's open to talk to them about anything. And Giles is really polite with her. He's like, Oh, yeah, like, um, I suppose you felt were like a mother to them, right? And well, she's. She like,
0: gets increasingly more peak white person <laughs> as the scene goes on. Yeah. And it's a good thing Giles is there. He's so diplomatic.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I had lots of patience. Um, She says that she fed them, clothed them, educated them in the name of the Lord. She was given a medal for it. And Giles says, congrats. (laughs) This may sound strange, but did you notice any odd disturbances in the house, like furniture moving, stuff like that? And she's like, well, that sounds like crazy talk. And Giles is like, yep, I guess so. Um, But the children in your care, were any of them ill or did anything ever happen to them? And Genevieve is like, well, they get the flu, sure, but no. One died. Um, and she's like my medal says I did a good job with them, right? I, like I treated them as my own flesh and blood. I gave them hugs and praise when they were good, and punished them when they were dirty. Oh, uh, and like that was a tr- that was triggered me. Anya and Xander, were, like Xander, is kind of like whatever, but Anya, I think, catches on right away because Giles says, "Well, you know, children will be children. They like to play in the mud, right?" and Genevieve just stares at him and Anya's the one that says you didn't mean muddy dirty did you and Genevieve says my kids didn't think I knew but I did without me they would have been shut out of the kingdom lost to lust and Giles says but you helped them and Genevieve says the girls felt a vanity more than the boys um, I'd see them preening like Jezebel doting over their pretty hair. And Xander's like, so you had them hack it off. And Genevieve says, I removed the temptation to admire themselves. They were better for it. And Anya's like, well, what happened in the bathtub? And Genevieve She's like, I perform baptisms on the most unclean, those who were tainted with impure thoughts and deed. And Giles says, you held them under the water. And she says, they needed to be reborn. You uh, You choose to pass judgment on me? And she like stands up. And Giles stands up too. And he says, someone ought to. You traumatized and abused these children. Children who no doubt became extremely disturbed adults. You have ruined lives, Mrs. Holt. Furthermore, what you did has now manifested itself as a malevolent presence, which threatens still more, more lives. You have a great deal to answer for. And Judith says, "I refuse to listen to this when I can smell the sin on each and every one of you." And Xander says, "You smell sin. She who smelt it dealt it." Um, and that's just a faster way of saying what Giles said. So, so here is where, like, this is actually quite disturbing. Yeah. Um, like,
0: do they tell anybody else about this? It, I mean, I'm sure the statute of limitations has elapsed on a lot of her crimes, but like, do they tell anybody?
1: Yeah, and we never find out at the end of the episode whether they, they, yeah, they turned her in or, like, accused her, you know, publicly about it, which they definitely should have. But here is where that parallel is to, you know, the real-life abuse. Um, this is where I saw that comparison to residential schools and what the Catholic Church, you know, has, is apologizing yeah, it, it's for just, now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so heavy for an yeah. episode that it's otherwise so funny, and you're just like, it's a little jarring. Why couldn't they just have made it about a haunted dick?
1: <laughs> so easy. Uh, we can pretend. We can just pretend that that's what it really was about. Uh. Uh, anyway, outside Genevieve's room. Anya's saying, I don't get it. Like, these kids were tortured but weren't killed, so where are the ghosts coming from? And Giles says they're apparitions, dealing with a cluster of poltergeists, basically, born out of intense adolescent emotion and sexual energy. And um, Anya's like, everything was pent up during Mrs. Holt's reign of oppression. And Xander says, Buffy and Riley have are having, like, acts of nakedness around the clock. Maybe they set something free, like a big, bursting poltergasm. What is happening? <laughs> Giles says, yes, now the poltergeists are drawing more and more energy energy out of them, feeding them, in fact. Buffy and Riley are powering this whole thing. Uh, J- Xander asks, okay, so, you know, the batter in the boo factory, <laughs> what happens when the battery drains and Giles says, they die. So
0: I also just want to call out something Xander says at the top of the scene where he's like, well, this adds to my old people are crazy theory, um, which is both ageist, and ableist right because you know old people aren't crazy it's a lot of old people do develop things like dementia but also Genevieve wasn't elderly when she did this stuff she's elderly now because this stuff happened like 50 years ago
1: yeah
0: um and you know it's also ableist to say like people with mental health issues and mental illness Commit crimes and things like child abuse, right? Like, yeah. no, that's not that's not good. So, I just wanted to call out that one line in particular.
1: Mm-hmm, I know that's, that's actually why I skipped it. I was like, nah, that's not good. <laughs> I kept on going, um, but yeah. yeah. So, so let's you know what we're we're getting to where we need to be in terms of ending this episode. So, more slow motion which sex.
0: Is, <laughs> I was that, yeah, we're getting to where we need to be, which is more slow motion sex <laughs> joy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, from Ruffy, Buffy's like, don't stop. And they look really parched, you know, like I think they are dying. So in Willow's dorm room, Giles says that Xander and Anya should go get Buffy out. And the three of them, Giles, Willow and Tara, are going to bind the spirits in a spell. And they're like calling upon a communal spirit of a certain time or place. I think they
0: should use a mangus tripod.
1: Yeah, why don't they try that? It worked in the last Poltergeist episode. So... Xander grabs a sword and hands Anya a knife, and they go outside Lowell House. Anya's like leaning against the window, and Xander's like, Well, what do you feel? And Anya's like, Sad, afraid of being without you, and a little hungry. <laughs> and Xander's like, I'm in about the house. And Anya's like, Oh, yeah, it's still haunted. So in the dorm room, Giles, Tara, and Willow are performing the spell. Tara's like, Children of the past, spirits of Lowell, be guided by our light, come forth and be known to us. And Giles is like, Well, when are we gonna know when it, when it works? And sure enough, right when he says that, all these painted white ghost faced children are standing around them. And Tara's like, We'll know. <laughs> so the door to Lowell House just opens. Xander goes inside. He's like, The house is clean. <laughs> and um, him and Anya go up into like the viney forest area. They, they're like, We gotta work quickly before the poltergeist come back, or, you know, the roughy battery will give out, basically. So Tara, Giles, and Will are speaking imploring to these spirits right and at one point willow says like transform your pain release your past get over it is what she says so xander and anya are at the top floor now xander tries to open the door to riley's room but then all this wind blows in the dorm room as well as like where xander and anya are the table gets thrown away from Tara, Willow, and Giles. And Tara's like, we lost them. And Willow's like, Xander. Xander gets thrown across the hall and into a bathroom. Anya gets thrown down onto a couch below. She's very lucky she landed on that couch. Uh, Xander is being drowned in the bathtub. Anya gets up and she hears screaming and crying in the air, right? And she's running back upstairs and she's like, shut up, you repressed crybabies. And a vine literally shoots through her hand. Like she gets a hole in her hand. And she manages to save Xander from the bathtub and they exit the bathroom and it's really viney up there. I don't know. And uh, they're getting whipped by the vines, but they're like, we can do this and we can make it through. And they get to Riley's door and they push it open and that's it. Like, that's, that's it. They push it open. All the vines disappear. The camera zooms right back into Buffy and Riley and Buffy looks up and they're, they're in bed, obviously. And Buffy's like, Xander, don't you knock? And Anya and Xander are like, ugh, and they just like walk away. (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're so good at summarizing these like climaxes in these episodes, and I'm using that word deliberately because <laughs> I was I rem- I watched this and then I remember and you know watched the the coda at the end and then I remember like I went and did something else and then a few minutes later I came back and I actually put the episode on again and fast forwarded to the end and rewatched like the last five minutes because it had only been about ten minutes but I could not. Remember what had happened at the end of the episode?
1: Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. I had
0: blanked.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so
0: random, like more so than usual. But the way you explained it actually makes a lot of sense. So good job.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> My disappointment is just that all they had to do was open that door for these poltergeists to go away. Is that it? You know, like no, you
0: know. I, I think it was a it was a one two punch. Right, it was like they had to bind the spirits, uh-huh. but they also had to open the door. But you had to do them both at the same time.
1: Okay. Well, yay. Um in the cafeteria Riley is with Buffy, Anya, Willow and Xander and he's saying I can't believe it really happened and Buffy's like I have no idea. It's so creepy. Was he really singing? And <laughs> Xander says I'd say it's more like crooning and then he turns to Anya and he says if we grow old together, make sure I skip the midlife crisis. And Anya's like okay and she smiles and like you know, number one, Anya, can I get an update on your hand? Because there's a hole in it now. And I want to know how that's going for you. And I, I guess this is like, they've made up. Like, this is might be the first time Xander's ever called her his girlfriend. No, I think he's done it before. Has we he? talked about that. Okay, yeah. okay. Because I can't remember. Because I'm like, what was this whole conversation then? But I guess they made up. All right. So that's, that's fine. They made it through the vines together. And there's a metaphor in there somewhere. Willow is like it was kind of sexy and Riley says well we're, we're lucky no one got injured no thanks to us Buffy says no Riley's right like if I hadn't gotten so wrapped up in each other if we hadn't gotten so wrapped up in each other none of this would have happened and Anya's like it's true feel shame uh, well sorry here's where Xander calls him as her girlfriend Xander says uh, my girlfriend mistress of the learning plateau
0: that's a little bit like he's putting her down
1: yeah fucking Xander yeah, he's
0: saying that she's plateaued and how much she can learn about being human <sighs>
1: let's let's go let's end <laughs> willow says it wasn't your fault you were under the influence of powerful magics and buffy's like we were like zombies i had no control over myself at all Will, and Willow's like must have been horrible and riley and buffy just look at each other and buffy's like yeah horrible and riley's like yeah it was bad <laughs> and then fade well,
0: i think we can all agree on that back.
1: the end so who's your hero <laughs> this is
0: this this makes me think of like a season one episode like puppet show right where it's like the end like it's just like you know a little code at the end i don't know this is a season one episode
1: this is a season zero episode
0: Who's your um, hero?
1: um uh giles for singing
0: yes mm. right i was yeah. on the same page.
1: <laughs> and Angel for getting Buffy pregnant <laughs> earlier this season.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's fan fiction about that somewhere.
1: Give it to me now. Someone make it and give it to me. I'll read it.
0: Drop that link in the fanfic <laughs> channel of our Discord, please.
1: Please. Okay, um all right. All right. What an episode. Um you know, I I'm going to be listening back to this and editing it and I'm going to be like, look at all these tangents, like 45 minutes of us just talking about other shit.
0: Keep it in. We're usually <laughs> Because if you so- take it out there won't be an episode.
1: <laughs> We're usually so good at focusing in and just talking about the Buffy episode we're we're focused on. But like, it it was so hard for this one. Um, And say, you know what? Actually, this is, it's a theme tonight because we're carrying on to our hot steak section now, but we have our own hot steaks that we want to talk about. And I want to talk about something else first. I want to talk about social media. And um, we we dropped, who are you today? Um, Because it's Thursday. And I want to say that someone brought up to us on TikTok and I love it. They said, That when it comes to, you know, recognizing Buffy as Faith, Angel would have recognized that Faith was in Buffy's body immediately. And I totally agree with that. I definitely think he would have. So lots of fun. Discussions happening around this episode on social media. We thank everybody who is writing in, messaging, or commenting. Like, we love when you guys engage with us about the content we put out. So thank you. And also, praise the Lord, Malik, because Car and I successfully blocked a Joss Whedon superfan.
0: <laughs> Joss Whedon stan, you might
1: say. You might call it that person that, uh, who has been trolling us on Instagram for a couple months now. Uh, we finally just blocked this person because... We're here to talk about Joss Whedon and how you might disagree with what we say about him, but, like, shut up. <laughs> you yeah, know?
0: You're, you're free to disagree with us, but when yeah. it's clear that all you're doing is commenting in, like, a snide way and it's not a constructive conversation.
1: Yeah, and you when know? you're clearly hate women. Yeah, yeah. We're,
0: we're bringing this up not because, you know, we want to put anybody on blast or be like, oh, look at how awful our, you know, our social media fans are. No, but, like, we want to model good social media behavior here, right? And something i see a lot of us falling into this trap of i i do this sometimes staff i'm sure this happens to you especially on tiktok it's like you get into this habit of like feeding the trolls where it's like you start engaging with them even playing with them kind of playing with your food almost and they can be fun sometimes but it's really draining and it's seldom as satisfying as it should be and then you know it can go too far so don't be afraid to hit that block button people if there's somebody in your life you know your aunt parent boyfriend (laughs) yeah if they're just constantly putting you down or you don't like their just just block them
1: yeah and that's why that's why i wanted to bring up the positive energy in social media that we've been getting a lot of lately uh we love it but um i wanted to bring that up first because First and foremost, our social media channels are amazing, and we love them. It brings us a lot of joy. Car and I are constantly sharing messages with each other about the things that people send us on our various channels, the positive reviews that we get. We love them. Um, So when we do come across somebody who disagrees with us, we are here to hear it. But if you're going to be, you know, wasting our time and it's not helpful or positive discourse overall, we'll block you. (laughs) Speaking of people
0: who disagree with
1: us... (laughs) Ah, yes.
0: So we got a hot steak from Rachel. Uh, She's not really disagreeing with us, but this is about Hush and the gentleman. And in our episode for Hush, I brought up the fact that maybe aspects of the gentleman could be interpreted as anti-Semitic because of uh, their roots in some European folklore. Go back and listen to what I said in the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So Rachel, who is Jewish, writes in, to say that in her opinion she's not really seeing that connection. So a little bit of disagreement there, Uh, but I asked for people to write in. Uh, She says, I've long had a passion for vampires, monster stories, and folklore, but I've often had to read things with a critical eye on the lookout for creatures whose designs are, intentionally or not, rooted in anti-Semitic stereotypes. I never really considered the gentleman in this category before. Uh, They've always been some of my favorite Buffy villains. Doug Jones is so, so good. But your brief discussion of this point made me think more widely about a lot of the folklore and tradition that many Buffyverse villains originate from. Whedon has many, many faults, and I don't want to defend him. But I think in this particular instance, I'd give him and the wider production team the benefit of the doubt, since the gentlemen aren't explicitly designed with many of the anti-semitic dog whistles I'm used to. Even if such ideas may, at their heart, have anti-Jewish origins, monsters and creepy figures from fairy tales are now so established as part of our culture that they have, for the most part, become divorced from these European, possibly anti-semitic tropes. So generally, when I see such characters in fiction, I think of them less as anti-semitic themselves, more a demonstration of how unaware people are the roots of these things, if that makes sense. And then Rachel goes on to mention, you know, the goblins from Harry Potter are a much more prominent example of more obvious anti-Semitic portrayals of of mythical creatures. Boo. Um, And then she says vampires in general can be anti-Semitic because of their origins in European folklore, but she sees Buffy's as less problematic than many other portrayals of vampires. So Thank you for sharing that perspective, Rachel, right? Um, And that's just one person's perspective. So, you know, other Jewish people could weigh in with different thoughts. But like I said, I think I said this in the episode, right? It's like when we're talking about these issues and neither Steph nor I share that particular identity, it's really tough for us to say one way or the other. What's going on? So we always appreciate it when listeners write in and and share those thoughts.
1: Yeah, and I I learned a lot from that hot steak. So thanks, Rachel. Um, Our other hot steak is from Jacqueline, who wanted to talk about this year's girl. And uh, they say that in the episode, the soundtrack includes some eerie siren-like vocals that sounded really familiar to me. To hear it, listen carefully during the part when Faith is dreaming that she's in an empty grave while Buffy stands over her looking down. If you've seen Frozen 2, oh, I have, Jacqueline, many times. Uh, You would recognize it it, it as sounding almost exactly like the secret siren call. And she's talking about from the song Into the Unknown where it's like... "Ah." (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) She says, I looked it up and it turns out that Christoph Beck, who composed the music for season four, episode 15 of Buffy, also composed the soundtrack for Frozen 2. Beck actually worked on the music for quite a few episodes of Buffy, so I wonder if there are any other musical crossovers. Thanks, Jacqueline! Um, Beck is also uh, responsible, of course, for the Buffy and Angel theme song. I love that man and I think I've said this before, that his father is the chairman of my company and uh, his name is John Beck and when I was Talking to John back in April, I didn't have the courage to ask for his son's number. Weird, eh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that'll change.
1: Maybe that'll change in a couple. You know, next time I see him. um Yeah, no. The music of this show is is so intense, and like I said, they did something weird with the music in this particular episode as well. But Frozen Two is superior to Frozen One. I will die <laughs> on this hill. Haven't seen Frozen Two. You. Wh- <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen it. What do you mean? Doing
0: your Disney rewatch journey, so I just was like, why should I bother?
1: (laughs) I did cover Frozen Two on its this time. So did you? I did. Yeah, we did. It was like a long episode too because I loved it. I was like, we're gonna talk about this entire thing. Um, anyway, what a tangent. (laughs) What? What a what a.
0: Sorry, everybody. We're sorry. Uh, We're sorry. Finally. Casey wrote in to us just before recording time with a stake for Who Are You, which just came out today, so you're on it, Casey. Good job. Uh, Casey wanted to talk about, small trigger warning here for, you know, rape, sexual assault, what we talked about in Who Are You, this whole idea of, like, Faith raping Riley, Faith raping Buffy by taking her body, Um, and Casey wants to be clear that, like, she agrees, right? Like, these things were rape. She's not arguing that. But she she wanted to build on top of what we talked about in that episode and bring up the factor of Faith herself is possibly a survivor of some kind of abuse, whether it's sexual abuse or child abuse. And we know this from season three, right? Mm-hmm. Because we heard about how she had like negligent parents and stuff. So... Casey wanted to bring that up, not even as a mitigating circumstance per se, but just as like, this is another dimension of us understanding Faith's character. I think this is really interesting because, yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk too much about that in our discussion, but, you know, it made me think about how, like, I don't think Faith would see what she did as rape because I don't think Faith has that kind of understanding of consent, You know, you and I, Steph, are fortunate enough to have grown up in a culture that even though it is still quite, um, it definitely has rape culture aspects to it, but we are lucky enough that we grew up in an environment where we did learn about consent, right? And we have a basic working knowledge of what consent means. And Faith didn't grow up in that environment. Um, And back when this show was produced, right, the idea of consent... Um, and putting it into sexual education was, you know, not as advanced as it is now. So I, I, I think many of the characters in the show wouldn't have a very robust understanding of consent. So in that way, you know, I, I think Faith, when she, when she did all of these things that she did, I don't know if she really understood it as rape um, because for her... And, and I mean, all rape is about power, right? But for her, right, it's she felt justified. I have the power and I'm going to do this because that is all she has been taught in her whole life. It's always either I have the power or somebody else has power over me and therefore I have to do what they say.
1: Yeah, Uh, well said for that, honestly. um, Yeah, I mean, faith and boundaries since we first met her. It's just know. the
0: tragedy of it, right? Yeah, like, and, and that's... Like, there's, there's stuff we can't talk about right now. Cause, uh, but, you know, we, yeah, let's we, just say that this is a big part of Faith's character.
1: Yeah, and, like, we did cover a lot of this in Faith on Trial, right? We discussed why we feel for Faith, why we take her history and what we think we know about it into consideration when we judge her right as a character and of course we didn't get into all of that and who are you because we've already discussed all that but um yeah the, the idea of consent is something that runs deeply throughout the entire series really even though the series has never addressed it directly we can address it by seeing the things that faith does and um I just want to say, like, too, it goes back to... Remember Faith's mantra in season three? She said it. Her mantra is, like, want, take, have, right? So that in itself (laughs) suggests that she doesn't understand consent, right? If it's her... Something that she wants, she takes, and she has. So more discussion on Faith to come, I'm sure. Thank you, Casey. uh, And good hustle. You got there right in time. (laughs) So... Yeah, we're a little unhinged in this episode, everybody, but uh, I don't know. I think editing back, I'll be like, wow, good for us (laughs) for getting through (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh,
0: And finally, thank you to all of you who come on this ride with us, especially those of you who give us money, uh, especially (laughs) our chosen ones. Lizzie. Emma. Hannah. Teza. Alexandra.
1: Kyle. Kayla. Destiny. Brady. Erica. Justine, Allison, Lena, Jace, Julian, Haley, Nicola, and Tasha. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week for hopefully a great episode.
0: Haunted Dick.
1: (laughs) In in another episode in our Haunted Dick series.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
0: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter.
0: You can also email us at Podcast at gmail.com Or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord.
1: Praise Moloch!
0: See you next week!